Chapter Eleven of the Inevitable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlech. The Inevitable by Louis Copyrus. Translated by Alexander Texiera de Matos. THE INEVITABLE CHAPTER Eleven. "'What do those strangers matter to you?' asked Duco. They were sitting in his studio, Mrs. van der Stahl, Cornelie, and the girls, Annie and Emily. Annie was pouring out the tea, and they were discussing Miss Taylor and Urania. "'I am a stranger to you, too,' said Cornelie. "'You are not a stranger to me, to us.' but Miss Taylor and Urania don't matter. Hundreds of shadows pass through our lives. I don't see them and don't feel for them. Am I not a shadow? I have talked to you too much in the Borghese and the Palantine to look upon you as a shadow. Rudyard is a dangerous shadow, said Annie. He has no hold over us, Duco replied. Mrs. van der Stahl looked at Cornelie, she understood the inquiring glance and said, laughing, No, he has no hold over me either. Still, if I felt the need of a religion, I mean an ecclesiastical religion, I would rather be a Roman Catholic than a Protestant. But, as things are, she did not complete her sentence. She felt safe in this studio, in this soft, many-colored profusion of beautiful things, in the affection of her friends, she felt in harmony with them all, with the worldly charm of that somewhat superficial mother and her two pretty girls, a little doll-like and vaguely cosmopolitan, and a trifle vain of the little Marchese's with whom they danced and bicycled, and with that son, that brother, so very different from the three of them, and yet obviously related to them, as a movement, a gesture, a single word would show. It also struck Cornelie that they accepted each other affectionately as they were. Duco, his mother and sisters, with their stories about Princess Colonna and Odescalci, Mivro and the girls and him, with his worn jacket and his unkempt hair and when he began to speak especially about rome when he put his dream into words in almost bookish sentences which however flowed easily and naturally from his lips cornelie felt in harmony with her surroundings secure and interested and to some extent lost that longing to contradict him with his artistic indolence sometimes aroused in her and besides his indolence suddenly seemed to her merely apparent and perhaps an affection for he showed her sketches and water-colour drawings not one of them finished but every water-colour alive with light before all things alive with all that light of italy the pearl sunsets over the molten emerald of venice the campanile of Florence drawn vaguely and dreamily against the tender tea-rose skies, Siena forest-like, blue pack in the bluish moonlight, 
the blazing sunset behind St. Peter's, and, above all, the ruins in every kind of light, the forum in the bright sunlight, the palatine by twilight, the Colosseum mysterious in the night, and then the Campagna, all the dreamlike skies and luminous haze of the glad and sad Campagna, with pale pink mauves, dewy blues, dusky violets or the swaggering ochres of pyrotechnical sunsets and clouds flaring like the crimson pinions of the phoenix and when cornelie asked him why nothing was finished off he answered that nothing was right he saw the skies as dreams visions and apotheosis and on his paper they became water and paint and paint was not a thing to be finished off besides he lacked the self-confidence and then he laid his skies aside he said and sat down to copy Byzantine madonnas when he saw that his watercolors interested her nevertheless he went on talking about himself how he had at first raved over the noble and ingenuous primitives giotto and especially lipo mimi how after that spending a year in paris he had found nothing that excelled foran cold dry satire in two or three lines how next in the louvre rubens became revealed to him rubens whose own talent and whose own brush he used to trace amid all the prentice work and imitations of his pupils until he was unable to tell which cherub was by rubens himself in a sky full of cherubs painted by four or five disciples and then he said he would pass weeks without giving a thought to painting or taking up a brush and would go daily to the vatican lost in contemplation of the magnificent marbles once he had sat dreaming a whole morning in front of eros once he had dreamt a poem there to a very gentle melodious monotonous accompaniment like an inward incantation on coming home he had tried to put both poem and music on paper but he had failed now he could no longer look at foran thought rubens coarse and disgusting but remained faithful to the primitives and suppose for a moment that i painted a lot and sent a lot of pictures to exhibitions should i be any happier should i feel satisfied in having done something i doubt it sometimes i do finish a watercolor and sell it and then i can go on living for a month without troubling mamma money i don't care about ambition is quite foreign to my nature but don't let us talk about myself do you still think of the future and bread perhaps she said with a melancholy laugh while the studio around her grew dusk and dim and the figures of his mother and sisters sitting silent languid and uninterested in their easy chairs gradually faded away and every color slowly paled but i am so weak-minded you say that you are not an artist and i i am not an apostle to give one's life a course that is the difficulty every life has a line 
and appoint its course a road a path life has to flow along that line to death and what comes after death and that line is difficult to find i shall never find my line i don't see my line before me either do you know a restlessness has come over me mamma listen a restlessness has come over me i used to dream in the forum i was happy and i didn't think about my line my appointed course mamma do you think about your line do you girls his sisters giggled in the dark sunk in their low chairs like two pussy cats mamma got up duco dear you know i can't follow you i admire cornelie for liking your watercolors and understanding what you mean by that line my line is to go home at once for it is very late that's the line of the next two seconds but there is a restlessness about my line that affects it for days and weeks to come i am not leading the right life the past is very beautiful and so peaceful because it has been but i have lost that peace the present is very small but the future oh if we could only find a name for the future they no longer listened they went down the dark stairs groping their way bread he asked himself wonderingly end of chapter 11